What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes and clicking write a review, clicking the five stars if you feel like the show is deserving of so and say a few nice words. And that will help the to propel the podcast into the tops of these iTunes charts. And that will help drive more traffic to the show, help strangers find it and uh, just give it some more national and international visibility and uh, it just gives the artists that come on the podcast more exposure so uh, yeah hit subscribe you know take the 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 next step to to jumping on board with this thing you can also check out the dan cable presents youtube channel and uh, features a bunch of in-studio performances live show performances and whatnot you can click subscribe there as well and then you will know when the new videos hit the channel and uh we've got a killer episode um in store for you here episode 137 is a is upon us here i hope everybody had a uh a nice turkey day a nice thanksgiving hopefully a lot of you all are uh enjoying long weekends and whatnot i will tell you i'm i'm recording this it is uh it is 2 a.m. here, so that I'm recording this intro on uh, the day before Thanksgiving, and I just want to say thank you so much to everybody that came out to the Doug Fur for the uh, the live filming that we did with Strange Hotels, Gold Casio, and Autonomics. I just got home from that and riding pretty high from that one man that was that was such an incredible night of music and i'm so thankful for all those bands for for being a part of it and and to the doug fur for letting me uh throw a show there finally and it was just uh so cool man i've been i've been wanting to do something there for a long time ever since i moved here about six years ago i wanted to uh the first time I went there, I, I I knew that I wanted to I wanted to do something there, and it was just incredible to see how many people came out and showed love and support on a on a Tuesday night, man, here in Portland, Oregon. Portland showed the fuck up, and and uh, I appreciate it so much. So much love to uh, all of y'all that that got to experience that that wonderful wonderful evening of music and uh i can't wait to share all the videos that we're gonna produce from from the night and uh, we're gonna put a few videos out from each of the bands so so there will there will be uh good stuff coming early early uh in this new year and uh yeah just thanks thanks again for everybody that came out um and and now we get to start pushing this uh this dan cable presents third annual holidays party three nights three venues three different kinds of music 
and uh, that first night is is twelve one December first is night one. It is at Turn Turn Turn, a bunch of post rock indie rock bands that night, including the uh, the band that is featured on this week's episode. We got Small Leaks Sink Ships. I had the opportunity to hang out with London, their drummer, for a bit, and uh, super fun hang and then to get to know him and and get to hear a bit of the backstory with this band. It's been around for um quite some time they've been playing music together for you know 10 plus years and and putting putting records out so it was yeah like i said it was it was rad to rad to hang but they are uh yeah they're headlining that that night one small league sink ships and then we got uh rare monk who's been on the program before and and i've got some great videos of them shredding it up at mountain air studios on the youtube channel so so check that out, and then Beige Radio is coming down from Seattle. So that's night one, December first at Turn Turn Turn. I'm super excited about um, these upcoming shows. Night two is at the Fixin' Two. It is December fourteenth. We got High Pulp coming down from Seattle. We got a Debsy from here in Portland, Oregon. The the lovely neo soul jazz, incredible Debsy. And uh, headlining this one, it is a reunion show for Two Planets, who was one of the early guests on this show. Just a really killer live hip-hop band. So we got a bunch of, uh, you know, funk, soul, jazz, hip-hop type things going on for uh, night two over there at the Fixin' Two on uh, December 14th. And, uh, And then the final night, December 15th. This is uh, a bunch of folk rock and roll bands and uh, killer lineup over there at Secret Society. Those Willows, Brother Not Brother, and Cedar Teeth headlining that one. Looking forward to all of these shows. They're all going to be super awesome, and it's uh, yeah, a little bit of everything going on. So there's there's definitely something for uh, for everyone out there. So I hope you'll uh, maybe come out and and check one of these shows out and kind of uh, wrap up wrap up the year with us and um yeah just thank thanks so much for everybody all all the people that continue to uh to support not only the podcast but just uh the shows that i've been putting on man tonight at duck fur was just uh it was a real trip you know to to see that room fill up and um you know obviously i i owe just uh, a huge amount of thanks, like I already said, to to all the bands, and and obviously they are a huge part of the draw. But um, it's it's very cool, man, to like be able to to see growth in something that you kind of create from nothing, and uh, that's that's what I got to see in the in the flesh tonight, and I got to spend spend some time with some of my favorite musicians in the city, and and we just had such a such a rad time there at the at the Dougie Fresh tonight. So um, like I said, I'm riding high. I'm hope I hope you all are um, feeling good and and um, having having good good holidays and and turkey overdoses and and all that jazz. So yeah, man, let's get into it. Let's get into episode one thirty seven. Uh, Small league sink ships, man. They've got 
all kinds of records um, available to to check out on the internet, all the streaming services and whatnot. And uh, this is a band that I saw about a year ago, and uh, their performance really blew my mind and stuck with me. And and I appreciate their tune so much. So this was uh, a pleasure to sit down with uh, with London, and uh, so pumped for them uh, to be playing the the first night of the holidays party on on december 1st so come check it out we're gonna kick off uh this episode with um with with a track called psychotic opera which comes off of uh the golden calf record and uh oh yeah i started a hockey podcast too if you dig uh sports or or hockey specifically it's uh it's called between the pipes and if you search dan cable presents on itunes then they both come up so uh between the pipes the new the new hockey podcast the new the new joint from dan cable presents a, a second edition to the uh the program lineup but uh yeah man we're doing it we're getting into it episode 137 small league sink ships are on the show and uh this song's called psychotic opera let's get in Don't you blame it on me 
it on me Don't you blame it on me Don't you blame it on me Alright, London, you ready to you ready to do the damn thing? I'm ready. Ready to talk on the, on the program? You bet. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for coming coming through to hang out. Um, I was exposed to your to your band. I think about a year and a half ago. I saw you guys at the Doug Fur. You were playing um, the Rare Monk album release show. You uh, played yeah. the middle slot there. Oh yeah. And I had no idea who you guys were. And it really fucking like blew my mind. Nice. Yeah. Right on, man. Good to hear. I was, yeah, just, I was grabbed by it right away. I just felt like you guys put on this, this show that is, is definitely something that's very memorable. And I think it's hard for somebody to kind of see that and not remember that, that performance or like have it stick with them in some way. So. All right. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. But I guess. You know, it was funny after that show since I didn't really, I didn't really know too much about your band to like kind of see that the music has been being put out since 2007. Oh yeah. And so it was just like, oh, like this band has been around for some time, (laughs) you know, like, so, um, I guess that's kind of where, where I would like to start is just kind of, you know, how this thing came together. I mean, talking 10 plus years. Yes, it's crazy to think that it's even been over 10 years because, I mean, part of you is like, yeah, it's definitely been over 10 years. And then the other half of you is like, wait, I feel like, you know, we just made that. When did we just make that album? But yeah, so 2007, um, me and Jim, our bass player, we were playing in a different band at the time. And then Judd, who's other guitar player and singer, we were working at a rock gym together and at the time we lost our guitar player. So I hit up Judd and I was like, Hey, you play guitar. You want to come and uh, try out for my band? He was like, yeah, I just want to play guitar in a band. So came down, started playing together, worked out really well. And then, um, before I knew it, me and Judd like ended up moving in with each other and just like constantly writing music. And, uh, we eventually ended that band and started Small Leaks, and we drove out to Florida like six months later, wrote and recorded our first album, which that whole thing just seems like a flash in a pan now. It just happened very quick, and um, yeah, since then we've been writing nonstop, playing, touring. We're on our fourth, we just did our fourth album, Really, technically, to me, it's only our third full length, but we did like a B-Sides album before Face Yourself, and then so we just recently put out the latest one and then the EP, Uh, but we also had a ton of, um, we had a lot of space in there where we weren't playing too, yeah. Yeah, did it, where did it originally start? Like, where where are you guys? Uh, Originally Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Judd's originally from Portland. Jim's from Chicago and I was from Anaheim and we all happened to be in Arizona at the same time. And so, yeah, that's where the band started. Okay. Yeah. And was it the three of you that went out to Florida then to go make that record together? Yeah. The three of us and our manager at the time. Okay. Yeah. Right on. And, uh, I know we were talking right before we got on the mics and you said your dad is a a jazz musician. Uh huh. Um, did you pick up music pretty early yourself? Um, I don't think I really 
uh, to be honest, I got into drumming because it was just idle hands. Me and my buddy were like, what can we do for something extra after school? And we decided to join percussion and that's how I got into it. And then obviously my dad pushed it more and more because he was a musician and really into it. And so, yeah, he would have me listen to, was always check out this jazz drummer, check out this jazz drummer. And then that got me more into it and I just stuck with it. But I don't think it was until I felt the process of writing in a band with other people. And then I was like, wow, I love this. This is what I want to do. Yeah. When you're actually like seeing your own creations kind of come to life and Mm -hmm. sharing it with people. Um, did you also quickly kind of get into like more melodic instruments? Cause I know you play like piano as well. Yeah. So I didn't get, I ended up starting piano. I've been playing piano about 10 years. So after the first record was recorded, not long after that, I picked up the piano. And then, um, when I started seeing more electronic equipment, like sampling and stuff and just manipulation of, um, instruments or vocals i started messing with that and then that just became i think now today that's one of my favorite things to do is actually be able to write the music but then manipulate it as much as possible to end up suiting whatever was in my imagination at the time yeah and that definitely seems to come through in in the most recent releases from small leaks you know (laughs) that's definitely there um well when you guys we're just forming small leaks and, and writing those songs. Who were the, who were the bands and the influences? Like who were the bands that you guys were all kind of geeking out on together? That was maybe informing what small leaks was in the beginning. In the beginning, I'd say it was definitely, um, me and Judd were listening to a lot of modest mouse at the time. For sure. But then there was a huge indie wave that was happening, um, around that time too. That was like still a bit of the grunge, but then that new kind of indie rock sensation that was happening. I think all of that stuff, it didn't matter who it was. We just, it was coming out just nonstop and that's what really got us going. Yeah. yeah. Lots of that, that mathy stuff. Yeah. Math and- rock and. I don't know. I got I got some like me without you vibes and stuff. Listening it's to weird. that stuff. I never really listened to me without you back in the day. I don't think I even ended up really like getting into their music until a few years ago, and it was just stuff revisiting or coming up on like a discover list or whatnot. Yeah, Can you talk right into that microphone. Oh yeah. Oh, you're, you're, hey. you're, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I just want to make sure the people can hear what you're saying. You right. Know? I start to do this thing and just fold my arms. Doing one of those. It's all right. It happens. Um, And uh, was it, as far as like the songwriting in the beginning, was it it a lot of uh, like Judd's bones of songs at that point since, since he was, was he just playing guitar at that point? He was playing guitar and singing. Um, I wasn't singing at all. I mean, Judd was kind of like playing guitars room and singing on his own, but I was only drumming in the band before. And I still remember one night um, we made this little piece together and he was like, or I said something like, I feel like I could sing on this, you know? So I ended up trying to vocal. I was like, you got to go outside. You can't be in here while I'm doing it. And then he came back and he's like, dude, this is good. You should keep singing. And then we started to sing together. And um, yeah, most of the songs on the first album is just a combination of me and him constantly playing. And then Jim would come over late at 
night and start writing baselines to all the parts. And we didn't even have the thing finished before we ended up driving out to Florida. Like half the time, once we got on the road and started going, we're finishing up lyrics, fin finishing up second guitar parts because Judd wrote two guitar lines on the whole album. So we knew we had to eventually come back, find another guitar player to play all those lines. And would that be the current gu guitar player now? No, this was a buddy, Mikey, um, who our manager at the time was good buddies with. And dude, he was just able to play like anything on the guitar. So he came in and we showed him the songs and a week later he had all of it down. Right on. Yeah. Uh, so when do you guys, how long have you been out in the Portland area? Uh, five years almost now. Yeah. So did you guys play around, played around Arizona for quite some time and we built a, built a, a pretty good buzz around town I, there? Yeah, I feel like when we wrote the first album, we did do a bit of touring and then... It was weird. It was almost like after a year, we immediately wanted to start evolving more, add new instruments. Judd started playing cello. I started playing piano. We started introducing samples and electronic work. And then it seemed like we were creating music that needed more members. And um, I can't remember what year it was. I want to say like 2009, Raphael, the guitar, our second guitar player, and Ryan, who was playing piano and electronics, joined the band. And it was that setup up until we came to Portland and then Raphael stayed in Arizona. So it was me, Jim, Judd, and Ryan. And that's who it is still today. Yeah, when you guys started um, writing together, did you kind of always want it to be something that was evolving a lot and not just being put uh, into one space? Or do you think that just kind of came naturally with you both exploring a lot of different instruments? I think so. I think it definitely came naturally. I think we both have um, very fast-paced imaginations. And so anything we heard new from an artist at the time that felt like, you know, it was pushing boundaries in some sense, it in turn made us want to do that. So it didn't necessarily matter like what instrument we were using to do so. We just knew like how to go about creating that. Yeah. So it was just the steps of doing so i don't think it was ever even mine like we want to sound this way or we want to make this kind of music i definitely know we've never wanted to make the same kind of mu music within our entire repertoire it was kind yeah. of like what let the song be whatever each song wants to be then go about it like that yeah i, I guess that was more my my question than anything you know <laughs> it's just like it just seems you know listening through the catalog um, I'm I'm probably most familiar with like your most recent releases with like Golden Calf and mm -hmm. and Polaroid people, but you know I've I've been through the other records and, and listened, but and you can definitely, it just seems like there's this very clear progression throughout each record of experimenting with different things and oh definitely and um do you feel like that's kind of a lot has a lot to do with maybe like the sustainability of the project too for you like how long you and and judd and jim have invested in it and why you've kind of stuck in it because it's always been something that's becoming something different or new i think so i mean i it's definitely something um i've thought about before where there's just a very strong connection between us in general we've been through a lot as a band i mean 
physically, emotionally, there's been tons of turmoil over years, which only brings you closer. And you kind of go through waves as a band where our, I honestly think with some of the stuff we had gone through, most bands would have broken up. And I mean, I can assure that because even when I tell other bands our story, they're always just like, and you're still a band. Right. And it, I guess that says a lot about um, maybe our character within each other or um, our communication with us because it's we've had to kind of be there for each other during those times and then also want to continue to make music. So some things kind of... Um, stopped us from really playing shows or going on tour. I mean, we've had a few times where we had these big tours booked and then something detrimental happened. It was like, well, can't do that now. So we end up going back into the lab and just writing and writing and writing. I think that's something that Small Leaks always consistently did and never stopped. It's like, let's always just keep writing. Let's always make new stuff. Let's, you know, yeah. we're obsessive in that way. Um, you can expand upon whatever you feel comfortable, but... I mean, when when you're talking about those struggles, you're talking about like some near death mm -hmm. stuff with two people in your band, right? Like you yeah. have like the accident with Ryan, right? And like bad motorcycle accident, mm -hmm. and then which he actually died in that, and then um, they put his consciousness into a machine, and that's how he is now. No, not at all. Ryan wanted me to say that if you asked that question. So brutal. That's so brutal. <laughs> That's from Ryan. You know what? You know what sucks about, about that? I, I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate you're it. Um, you're all. You're just I, looking at me like, what? I had, Yeah. I was just like, did I like him? I don't know. I just felt so bad about like, did I like sorry, terribly so fuck sorry. up research? You know? <laughs> because you know what? I didn't even... Um, uh, I had a I had a good. lot I felt like to like talk to you about um just kind of going through all the music and stuff and what you're releasing now and it wasn't honestly up until maybe like 30 minutes before you got here that you know I kind of just like browsed the website and oh interesting and and looked at like what was there this is like the bio and and you know, like I knew who the players were in, in your band but then I read the bio and it, and, and it brings up these things, you know? So I was just like, I don't know, this seems like kind of an important part of the story in some oh, way, absolutely. or at least it shows like the perseverance of it. Cause is, is it after the motorcycle accident then that Judd deals with some like about with cancer? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was pretty much like once Ryan was not completely healed, but healed enough to start playing, start writing again. Um, is almost like right when we had an EP or actually we were going to put out a full full length album. And then um, we also had like a whole Midwest tour booked. And right before then, Judd started feeling issues and we didn't think much of it. And then he finally went into uh, the doctor to get it checked out. And sure enough, they're like, yeah, you have uh, testicular can cancer stage two. And so I remember him coming back home from that and just sitting down and it was just like, whoa, okay. This is intense. And we had a long talk about it and just, yeah. And he went through hell. I mean, that was like watching him going through chemo and everything was, that was gnarly to say the least. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just wild. Like you said, you know, that you guys did stay together through that. And mm -hmm. that obviously is kind of a testament to how, how special it must be between the four of you. And you've kind of, uh, you think that you guys wrote so much or, or kept writing just because that was kind of the only thing that you could do during times. Oh, like I, there was obviously 
like you were saying, like tours had to be canceled, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure, and shows and things of that nature it couldn't happen. So Yeah. Yeah, that was something that was probably why we just kept writing because, yeah, that was the only thing we can do. And then I remember, uh, did I say early how me and Judd worked at a rock climbing gym? That's how we yeah, met? Yeah. Okay. And so I hadn't been climbing again for a while. And then during that time, I got back into climbing. I think you just find stuff that'll take your time or attention somewhere else or try to fill in that void. Yeah. But I could only imagine being the person in the position who's actually going through that and can't do anything. Right. You know? So being at the least being a support system while still being able to write was like, okay, well, let's all be there. Yeah. So I'm pretty mind blowing to you that you kind of made it through all that and you guys are still just cranking out tunes together. And, Definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I was, uh, listening to, to Polaroid people a bunch a couple hours before you got here, went to the old gym, strapped it into the headphones, you know, nice. got, got some, uh, some good listens in on it and it's definitely i don't know when i listen to your guys's music i just i just feel like it um it seems to have a lot of uh like emotion and intent behind it or or that it that it just comes from like a very raw and um like special place i guess it, it's uh it's definitely very powerful or at least for me like when i when i hear it and when i saw that live show it was just like Oh man, this is this is very next level to me, and just resonates super heavy. And I just appreciate the rawness of it and the emotion that it it seems to evoke. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, I, I mean, I I know, I know what you mean because I feel that when we're playing together, even if it's in practice, you know, and having those experiences through writing music and having a powerful movement happen with you as a unit because I think that's the biggest thing for all of us and what really kept us together through all of is we definitely have a very strong spiritual connection between each other and um, it's something we always make sure is relevant and uh, present and so that's always going to come through the music when all of you feel that way and that's where the intent's going to come to from too yeah i think it's super super clear in the live show that that's the case or the case rather um i think it's very clear when watching that that all of all four of you are all in you know on this thing and that you are all so pumped to be up there and i I think it's it's fun to i think always watching the people on stage that don't have microphones and watching them sing along and and sometimes too you know when I, i just feel like that that's just always shows like another level of like being locked in with the thing and and being kind of lost in it right. themselves as well and and just watching the uh the back and forth with you and Judd on the vocals I think is is very rad. Um, nice. Did it take you guys a while to kind of kind of fine tune that that situation? Uh s- surprisingly not. I think it took us a a little while just to be like, cause when we were just talking about this the other day, when it came to working around each other with vocals, because it's more of just working with each other and we're brutal with each other now, you know, when we're in the studio and we're writing vocals, it's like, you know, you have one person standing in this room singing their heart out and the other, you know, 
the other person's just sitting right next to him listening through and that's all they hear. I mean, they could hear you just right there. And I think before when we first started out, it's kind of like, oh, you don't want to step on each other's toes. You don't want to hurt someone's feelings too much. But once we started doing it more and more like anything else, just practice, we were able to be brutally honest with each other, which is good because it's like, okay, you could do a good job. But if you have someone that's right there going, nah, dude, do it like you mean it. I know you could do better, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as is now when in the the songwriting process as far as like lyrics and and who is singing at what time is that all determined by who wrote something or is it very much just all about what serves the song dude it's it's weird it's kind of i mean it's constantly changing from song to song on how that goes i mean every once in a while the song will already be written for the most part, like the general structure with vocals and lyrics, and then it gets a little bit manipulated and kind of gets more direction. And then other times someone will just come with a piece and everybody really likes the piece and will write all the parts to it, just the music, all the instruments, and then go in the booth and write all the vocals, you know, over the top of it. Or sometimes it'll be, um, the psychotic opera, for example, the don't you blame it on me, that loop over and over, that was just from messing around, you know, through the sampler, looping all, looping all these layers of vocals, and then that ends up being the one you hear the most. And so everything came from that. So it was just that loop, all the instruments, and then Judd kind of weeks later sang over the top of it, and it became what it did. Yeah, can you kind of speak to what a game changer that sampler has been to oh, man. what you guys do as a band and in, in the live show? Oh, I love I, I, I love that thing. It's funny because now it's kind of outdated compared to most modern technology in the music field, but I just I think that when I first got that thing, it was a bitch to figure out. I was just like, I don't fucking know. It's driving me crazy. Just it's it's a it's like a computer, you know. Right. You got to go through the manual, but then once I got it down, I seem to be able to manifest my exact imagination through it. And it's you could do so much. It's just the only thing I feel like. And obviously, other electronic instruments do this too. Especially stuff you could sample your voice in or an instrument is, you could eventually get to the place of what you heard in your head versus trying to just play something that kind of sounds like it you know yeah so i uh, yeah i love that thing you don't even do you not even play with hi-hat any like during shows usually oh yeah no i use the i use the whole set but i definitely um incorporate more now the electronic drum pad the real drum set and then the sampler as well yeah and you come out from behind that drum set every once in a while every once in a while yeah, i do which is, yeah which is cool and also everybody else in the band kind of shifts on instruments as well right yeah um jim stays on bass for the most part that's his baby he really um focuses hard on that instrument but the uh, rest of us tend to switch up instruments quite a bit, especially on um, Polaroid people, because I think each song is... Om Ryan's on drums for one of the songs. Um, there's stand-up electronic drums at one point. I'm up front on sampler. I think Judd is on cello twice, on piano, on guitar. Uh, so yeah, a lot of switching for only four songs. Yeah, has it been like wild to watch 
the other musicians in the band's progression along with yours. Oh yeah. See people just picking up new instruments. Oh, I love it. I think it's great. I think that's where, you know, um, aging as a band, getting older as a band and as a unit, you, when you see everybody trying to push their boundaries musically and artistically, it then inspires you too. So if you're constantly doing that to each other, you never really have to worry about who's going to keep up. You know, it's like, oh, I like what you're doing there. I'm going to figure this out. Oh, I'm going to do that, you know? So, I mean, Judd, for example, seeing what he could do on the cello now versus um, five years ago is insane. I mean, it's just night and day. And, you know, what I can do through electronics and just hearing what Ryan can now do on drums, it's, I think it's fun to kind of switch it up and do the things that are uncomfortable, do the things that aren't, we aren't used to because the, they are a little bit scary, but at the same time, you're going to immediately come up with something on, uh, let's say, you know, Ryan's main instrument's the piano. Well, if I get to sit on the piano for a day, it's going to be completely different than right. anything he comes up with. Yeah, it's going to be a completely different voice on that instrument. Right. And just, yeah, just another thing that I think contributes to the sustainability of the of the project and it just becoming fresh all the time. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know. Those are most of the bands that I dig that have kind of stood the test of time for me are the ones that, you know, are the people in the band that are picking up different instruments throughout the catalog, you know, cause that's, that's where you can kind of see all the changes you know? for sure. So I have much respect for that. And, and it's just a lot of fun, I think, cause whatever carries over from that, that, production process seems to carry over into the live show and just to kind of see people rotate on instruments i think it's it's just another level to a live show nice yeah the only bummer about it i think because we switch up instruments we end up getting dead time in between songs and so i was like okay well, let's see if we could come up with some weird funky sound for this and then you kind of play that just so it's not like all right ding ding yeah ding, we're oh Okay, just yeah, to kind of right. keep things flowing in <laughs> right. in some form, just ringing out instruments. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as the, I was going to ask you something about about Polaroid people that you you kind of already alluded to, but I'm mm. uh, it has slipped my mind as far as the uh, you blew the it, pal. Oh, um, no, I don't remember. All right, well. <laughs> We'll probably just cut this part out and uh that's fine yeah let's uh or we keep it yeah we can mm -hmm. keep it <laughs> maybe we we skip on that and uh maybe uh maybe jump into one of these jams off polaroid people and then we can we can kind of dive into what that process is all about and, and the new jams it. and whatnot uh, you're gonna play Maurice's bedtime stories nice which is such a killer jam and now i remember it exactly what I was going to ask you, and we can just talk about it when this song is over. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah. 
like I say There's monsters in my bed recently put out the the polaroid people ep mm-hmm. and uh, the thing that i remembered that you were talking about was the uh i was excited to hear you start talking about judd playing cello because i'm assuming now from listening to that record specifically because there is a lot of string work on that one mm-hmm. that's all like judd yeah. crushing it on the cello so oh, it's yeah. not it's not some no that's him oh, on dude, the actual that's so cello. Rad. Yeah. That's why it sounds so good. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think the cello did a lot for those. Uh, not in all four. Not in Prism, but the other three songs. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That, the string production on, on that EP is is so rad. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, and that's Gus uh, Berry over at Jackpot. He did an awesome job on that. He just really gave it this, the real raw warmth of it, but it's still having that polished kind of sound yeah. to it. I just think that that this new ep in general just seems to have 
that polish on it and and the right amount of it where it doesn't suck the character or the life out of the the tunes you know for sure um and it seems i don't know there's definitely like hints of this type of progression i think in in some of the recent records but Mm -hmm. this seems to go even more all in on on some of the you know the sampling stuff and the synth stuff right like, like uh maurice's monsters oh yeah like that has like such a heavy r&b like hit to it and definitely seems to be you know one of the more dynamic tracks that you guys have ever put out i, th- I think so yeah i think it was something I, I think that's in part due to how much hip-hop i've been listening to in the past couple years and just playing around with a lot of beats but wanting those beats to be friendly but unconventional at the same time so using my own voice bits or just you know the far end of a note from a random instrument and then cutting it all short into pieces and just playing around really yeah is everybody like when you introduce some things like that is everybody pretty open to 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 it or is it kind of take some time for people to um, damn that's a good question it's hard it's hard to say just because i think everybody in the moment is definitely lets it be heard you know everybody always lets each other be heard in the moment and then sometimes sitting on something it could be like yeah i'm not feeling this or i am or you know maybe i would say with maurice's monsters there is maybe parts of it that isn't everybody's cup of tea in the band and then you know like myself um that's just a part of music for me that i'm inspired by that i love existing and the fact that it can in small leaks in the way that it does is nice yeah i think it's a very cool like ode to that that music and and how it's inserted into what you do because it's still feels like what your band does right and i don't know to me like what your band does so well is it seems to blend these these progressive elements to it but it never goes so far out where it loses kind of that hook or or the thing that you know the ear candy of it totally some way you know and and i think that it in that way is also more accessible yeah and it doesn't lose some people because you know i mean i dig a fair share of prog rock for sure Mm -hmm. and and i'm (laughs) sure that from listening to your guys' music people in your band do as well for sure but like there there are elements of that where you where you lose a percentage of of listeners i think yeah i think if you go too far to any one end you're not only pigeonholing yourself but you're pigeonholing your audience so you're saying oh well We'll, we'll cater to the bigger half of our audience, you know? And for us, that's just, I think if anything, maybe with uh, On the Turn of Golden Calf, we went into that one kind of saying, well, hey, we know how to find the spots in our songs that are most elevating in some manner, you know? It doesn't always have to be like, oh, but just have that, something that always grabs you. And with the album before it, Face Yourself, we were kind of like, hey, you got to read the whole book before you get to the good section. And Golden Calf is definitely more like we're going to just see how much of the good section we can prolong. Yeah. I think that was that was done very well. But then, I don't know, this batch of tunes, man, the Polaroid people thing, um, very much 
spoke to me right away and and i nice. just kind of grooved with it really quickly and it was you know in selecting kind of songs for playing whatever we're going to play on this episode i kind of just wanted to play the whole record in in Hell some yeah. form and but yeah it was just kind of it was kind of hard to make decisions upon that because i like the songs so much and they all kind of seemed to very much go together you know where they kind of written in that way to uh i mean marisa's monsters and marisa's bedtime stories obviously definitely is um and the thing that ties those two together is uh actually the cello because it's the exact same cello line that's running through both songs but um the rest of the instruments accompanying it is completely different so it's like you could kind of to me i guess i would think the listener is feeling the vibe more than knowing exactly why that is yeah and then the other two broken church bells was actually the most picked apart i want well that and prism were definitely the most picked apart where from their initial starting point to what they turned out to be are very different i mean there's definitely the bones of it that's still there but completely different endings completely different transitions um vocals changed on it sometimes i mean with broken church bells it was an entirely we have actually a broken church bells there where maybe one day we'll release it but it has a completely different ending that's rad yeah alternate ending song right (laughs) yeah um yeah i don't know even just listening to the lyrical content it all kind of seems like it's rooted in the same feeling or emotion i think that yeah fair yeah, I think so. It makes sense um, and maybe what we were kind of going through at the time and making the music. And um, once again, you know, Maurice's Monsters and Maurice's Bedtime Stories have the exact same theme with more being like the first half. Monsters is kind of in your face, a little aggressive, kind of shiny, more vibrant, where Bedtime Stories is almost like the conclusion, but the conclusion from the beginning to the end of the song. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as the artwork that is is on all the records, is that all done like in-house, or is that, do you guys usually use the same artist? Uh, all of, so the first record in Oak Street, the first EP, is done by the same artist, our buddy Weston, and then uh, the I'm trying to think what was after that. The B living room sessions. I don't yeah. know if you listen yeah. to anything on that, but it looks more like a hand drawn thing. That was from a buddy I was working with at the time. Kirsten's party. Yep, yep. And nice. Song. Rad All song. Done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then face yourself is a longtime friend who also I knew in Arizona has been in Portland for a long time. Um, he did that whole everything on that one and then um golden calf was local artist we were talking about earlier before yeah. we did the start of the podcast um jesse reno and melissa monroe who did the front and back of it and then all the inside again was dre who did the um all the work and face yourself and then the newest one is actually me and that was just from a bunch of pictures i have and i just manipulated the hell out of them and just kept overlaying it i don't know i guess just kind of going through the catalog even on itunes or whatever it just 
It just always seems like you guys have some artwork that stands out too, and it's very nice, like well placed and and just very. I don't know, kind of next level stuff that kind of makes you think about what's right on the on. cover, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always been important to me. I always feel like, um, you know, try your best, whatever you're doing, just to look at the whole piece, all parts of it as one comprised thing of art and give attention to that, you know? Yeah, Say absolutely. It, it all has care. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I love about the songwriting is the uh, the drumming. Which nice. is, you know, you most of the time. Right. Um, but I, I feel like the the percussion in general is, is just like very huge and, and seems to be very much a part of the writing process. Is that is that true? Definitely. Yeah. Um, just doesn't seem like an afterthought, you know? Just, right. Like, oh, here's a song, then put the, put the beat on yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I've, I've been playing drums for a lot of years. Um, I think once I was able to manipulate the direction of a song through drum writing, through rhythmic writing, which is funny to think about because you always just think like the melody is the structure, it's the way the song moves, it is the whole, but you really can kind of move a song in many directions and change the structure through rhythm and timing and the feel of it. And for me through drumming, that's always what it's been. I've always had a really hard time, actually, like drummers I've looked up to, or I'm like, oh, I want to know how to play that beat. It takes me forever, even if it's a simple beat, and then it'll still end up being a half version of their beat in mine, because it, I think just with drumming for me, I always like to look at it as um, just any other instrument. You can just create what you want with it. It's a writing tool. You know, it, it very much comes through in in the uh, the productions of the tunes too. Like you Good. can tell that I don't know. You obviously want to keep things interesting, but also listenable. Yeah. But you're all you know. You're adding in some some rad technicality to some some hooky things. Oh yeah. Some some feels. Oh, I have fun. It's a good time. Yeah. I. It's uh. I don't know. It's just. It's nice to uh it's nice to know you know that it's it's a big part of the writing process i think you know mm -hmm. it's like I, I don't feel like not every band where the drummer is a big part of the uh that process right well yeah i i think like the one i think the rhythm section in general a lot of times like you don't realize how much you can actually receive as a listener from bass and drums i mean just think about hip-hop for example they're messing with low frequencies more than anybody is right now and right. that could move an entire culture i mean that just like gets you moving it gets you in a whole different vibe you make a really aggressive beat you know right away you have that feeling of like oh i'm gonna fuck shit up now you know yeah for sure yeah and obviously in those types of music and in, in jazz like the, the drums are always Big know, a time. huge part of the the writing or or whatever is happening but yeah just as far as you know when you get into things that might fall on the under the umbrella of like an indie rock band or something mm -hmm. you know it, it's it can be quickly just uh everything can kind of be drowned out by whatever's happening with the singer and the guitar you know oh yeah but i just uh it's always it's always nice when when there is a lot of technicality amongst things as, as well. Yeah. And it's a, I mean, you go a million different directions with the two, even if it is electronic music. I mean, what you could do in beats and sounds and 
frequencies. It's like, it's such a huge range. And same thing really goes for acoustic drums. Uh, I remember one of my favorite, uh, Mars Volta's first album, uh, John Theodore, the drums on that, the first time I heard that, which was all recorded through tape, was just like, not only was he a badass and just crushed it the entire time from beginning to end, but that really influenced that album. I mean, you hear the albums after John Theodore was gone and it doesn't have the same kind of soul. And just think that you could have that soul come through in rhythm and drums is powerful. Yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely like something that I pull out of your guys' music is, you know, that like those types of bands and and maybe just kind of bands that, that fall into that category of like the, the more indie prog art stuff like the the circus survives or you know anything in that nature as well it's just like stuff that sure yeah. that does kind of like push those boundaries a little bit and um yeah as far as the uh i, I feel like even going back to like the first record though like those like when you listen to like shake mm -hmm. you can even hear like how important the percussion is to a song like that and it seems like you know you've been experimenting with that for a long time and figuring out different ways to to give a feel to a song you know now you're, now you're just dealing with like a drum pad sometimes oh and yeah 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 i think that kind of opened up even more because the first album it was almost an album written for me anyways out of school you know practically out of high school so in having that drumline background and everything, it's just like, how much can I do? How crazy can I go? How many different parts can I play? And how technical can it be? And I've gotten, I would say I've gotten further from going about writing drums that way. And electronics and samples like that have helped because they've allowed me to do more simplistic things, but have a depth or an intricate depth through the sound of it versus like how crazy it is. And it's quick to be like, well, how many notes can I hit right now? And how spaced out can they be, but still sound insane? And they're, which you could do, and that sounds badass too. I mean, I've heard so many amazing drums. There's bands I listen to that the only thing I like about the band is the drums, and that's why I keep listening to it, because I'm just like, holy shit, this drummer's out of control. You know, so I like all ends of it. I really just think, um, I like it all, man. It's, it's neat to kind of get to see all the different aspects of it come out through different types of music. Cause for me, that's just more inspiration. I'm like, Ooh, uh, yes, I love that, that, you know, store it up here and use it whatever way it wants to come out. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's that, uh, I don't know. It's obviously the songwriting is, is huge in this band. Like I, I dig the fuck out of it. Um, but it's, it's the way that, you guys seem to craft like the percussion with the vocals it seems to uh be the thing that like really hooks me in and obviously when when judd's playing the cello like that as well like that's amazing <laughs> yeah. like the strings are just so unreal like on the new stuff but nice um yeah just i just love how much the vocals in this band are an instrument and you know they're not just the narrative for the band Right. You know, it's it's very much used as an instrument, like whether it's the harmonies or whatever or or using it like chopping up the vocal samples. Oh dude, yeah, the voice is the voice is the most versatile instrument in my opinion and now we for the first time ever we have the tools to 
do exactly what we want to do with it or just experiment experiment with the nth degree. You can make nowadays you can make an entire song made of vocals that you didn't know was made out of vocals. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Do it's you, crazy. Do you think that's just because the voice doesn't really have one sound? Like as far as yeah. when you're talking about the complexity and like the <sighs> dynamic of it? I think, you know, for me anyways, it's like a lot of characters existing in one vessel and you could let each one live how you want to let it live i mean if there's that crazy part of you you could let it actually come out how it wants to exist and it's going to be very strange for you but i think the more you explore that territory the more you start to get to places in your voice you didn't know you could do with it you know yeah and that's what's one of the funnest things for me is uh, treating the voice as an instrument, not just like singing, because there's tons of good singers out there. I honestly don't, you know, really think I'm a great singer. I see people with amazing voices. I'm just like, Jesus, I don't know how they sing like that. But for me, I want to crawl to the side of like, how can I take this and implement it with everything else, but still be something you don't realize you're listening to a voice? Yeah. It's wild, man. Just the ways that you can, like you were saying, the ways you can manipulate the voice now, like with different software and and things of that nature, is is wild. And like when you guys are doing the live show, are you uh, are you ever catching like those samples of you live? Are you are you doing that ever? Or are they already uh, usually pretty pretty stored in there? Half and half. Some of them are com- completely stored because they have to be pulling them off live. Is not these used to like a uh, creep in halfway through we chop up judd's vocals and creep in on the record and on the record to me it doesn't even sound so much like a super chopped part but doing it live actually pulling it off like a real vocal live is it almost feels as if oh that's not the same part so we sample every single sound in it but then ryan plays it rhythmically on the sampler so he's actually playing each sound to make um the whole verse or bridge, whatever you want to call it, you yeah. know, exists the way it does. Um, but then there's other stuff like Psychotic Opera, for example, that beginning loop, that's all done live every time from the beginning and loop. And it usually takes longer to get it um, completely going um, live because I think on the record, it's like four times and then it's there where live you have to, you're like, oh, wait, yeah. hold on, I got, <laughs> got like four more times and then we could go. For sure. Yeah. Is it super fun though for you to kind of like show uh, the audience like that that you're building that right there in front of them? Absolutely, definitely, and um, that's something I've always wanted to get better at too, especially with uh, electronics because I've there's there's a lot of electronic music I love, but then you'll go see them live and you're like, I could have stayed home and listened to this, no problem. You know, it's a dude pressing a button, or you know, if it's a dude pressing a button, they'll have a badass like projection behind them or something that's super psychedelic and that's cool too but it'd be nice to try to make the live appearance of electronic music seem exciting Dude. and malleable and just going off uh do you know who todd terry is no i don't all right well i saw this dude i didn't know who he was until i i saw this uh this fellow todd terry he opened for Tycho last summer um over at edgefield and he's he's an electronic artist but he had a uh a three-piece band and then so it was yeah exactly what you're saying you know like to to see that type of music perform with a band is 
And so are they all you. playing like different electronic yeah, so like synths? And main dude Todd is on like keyboards and synths and stuff. And then one dude is playing like guitar and bass. There's a drummer and then um, this dude also like going wild on the flute. Like nice. yeah, just kind of all over the place. But just just insane to see that type of music played live in front of you and right. not just somebody you know manipulating sounds maybe on a synth or or you know a beat machine yeah you know just i think that just shows off like an insane dynamic to it and just made like such a crazy oh man live show you know check that out that's awesome yeah people were telling me but they're just like oh you don't know about this like no, what's about to happen? Like Todd Terry is going to be amazing. I'm like, all right, man, cool. I'm sure it's going to be great. You know, I'm sure oh, it's yeah. going to be real cool. Right. And then it, yeah, mind blowing. Nice. Like, I just don't really. I just never seen anything like that. You know? Right. Yeah, I've seen it in. I was trying to think because you said Tycho, and it reminded me. Of, um, I don't know. Why I'm blanking on a name, but the way you describe it reminds me of another band I heard electronically. I'm hoping it comes back to me as I'm saying this. And then I saw them live, and they were all four people almost had stations, and they were playing, and they all yeah. they had a real drummer. Ah, uh, it's right there. Uh, I want to say Odyssey, but that's a hip hop yep. dude. Odyssey's um, great too. He plays yeah. with a live band a lot of times. Oh, does he? Yeah, he plays with this band called the the Good Company Band. Nice. Um, I've seen him twice this last year. Once with the band, and once without, and it was very cool both times. But to see live band hip hop is is so next level. Yeah, I saw the RZA do Liquid Swords, um, or is that RZA or Jizza? Wu Tang fans are gonna. You're done, dude. Yeah, I'm done. Or Jim. Jim's a our bass player. He's the real Wu Tang fan. He's gonna be <laughs> like, come on, dude. I saw this like three years ago, but he had a full band, like three piano players, bass player, drummer, guitar player. A couple different horns came out, and it was awesome yeah yeah and i mean that's also why i like to see taiko too just to know that like live instrumentation is being blended with the electronic stuff i think is you know what makes that band so cool as well so for sure um i don't know how we necessarily drifted down this this rabbit hole but um i don't mind it at all and i i as far as you know going back to small league stuff just the gang vocals that appear throughout the catalog of music is just always very cool and always feels very communal and especially in like in the live show i think oh yeah that kind of stuff's a lot of fun to do live yeah Yeah. we haven't played glass hip in a while and that was always one that was just so easy to get into because you get to these parts that end up you know, all the music stops and then you get to as like four people in the band just all chant together. Dude, Glass Hypnotist, so good. That's one, that's one of my favorite songs <laughs> in that catalog, dude, for sure. Hell yeah. That's off. For for you folks that want to dive deep, you go into that that Oak Street, right? Oh, yeah, 2011. Oak 2011. Street Basement. The, yep. Yep, Oak mm-hmm. Street Basement EP. Check that out. That's, that definitely, you know, you can hear the Modest Mouse influences in the band at that point oh, yeah. you know for sure feeling yeah. feeling pretty heavy there uh-huh. yeah that song that song is awesome dude you guys play things through from the whole catalog when you're playing live shows now like do any anything off the nothing the first record from the first off? record um 
I feel like the last time we played a song from the first record, it was SOS, Sick on Substance, and it was actually through a tour through Portland when we were still living in Arizona at the time. But we play still, we play, we play Pray for Pills every now and then from Oak Street. We yeah. play Glass Hip every now and then. Um, try to think what else is on there. We don't, the other three, Bloom, Shuttersome, and, uh, his days are like grass. We don't really play those. And then there's a handful on face yourself. We play, but a lot from golden calf. I think we're, always, I mean, I think this is the, probably the same for a lot of bands. You always want to play your newest shit yeah. just because that's what you're most hyped on. And you feel like it's the most current to you as an artist and a musician. So you're like, yeah, this, these are the ones I want to do, but you're just hoping that all your, you know, new stuff has at least progressed even from your audience to your last stuff. Yeah. Is it also in part two because there's different instrumentation on, on the newer records that just kind of makes it easier to kind of stay in that, in that lane a, for the that, live show? And there's four of us now instead of five. Okay. And some of those songs definitely need five people. For sure. It's just very hard to pull off without five people. And a few, I mean, I think if we worked really hard, we could, because there are some where pray for pills example was a very always a popular song but you know once we moved it was really hard to play as a four piece it definitely needed five people and so ryan ended up learning all of Raphael's parts on the guitar and then i took uh ryan used to be on the sampler for that so i took all of his samples stuck it in my spd which is the electronic drum pad so now i trigger them while i play the drum so we're able to pull it off essentially how exactly how it used to be yeah and overall, I mean, you guys have been playing music a long time together. Um, do you feel like the process has changed much amongst you? I mean, obviously, you've you've introduced a lot of new instruments, mm -hmm. but like as far as the way things work within the band, is it kind of the way it's always been? Um, no, I think it changes. I think it definitely was a major change going into Golden Calf. Um, before Golden Calf, everything was jammed live for the most part. It was kind of just like whatever comes off the cuff and then just let it organically become whatever it becomes. But with Golden Calf, there was definitely more of a centralized control still within everybody in the band, but you know, coming up with pieces, recording them, and then actually doing pre-production where we're like, let's meld these pieces with these pieces and let them, these make sense together and then really nailing down a song as a whole instead of just like, floating out into oblivion yeah who knows where it'll go it's kind of more like building and producing songs exactly sometimes mm -hmm. and i think that happened even more on the ep where there are parts yeah we jammed as a band beforehand but then it's almost like the rest of the song all came from that one piece sitting back and looking at it for what it was and then going "Ooh, this is what we could do this is what we could do yeah and then playing around and that gave us a whole new aspect because we had never done that in um, past years where, and we call it writing in the box, is getting in the computer and then um, everybody plugging in at different times, everyone trying different stuff, you know, coming in on different days and just working off of each other in order to make a complete song. Yeah, and then you're kind of like learning how to play the songs together, right. like in the live show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, with the um polaroid people if i'm being candid uh we still haven't figured out how to play maurice's monsters and maurice's bedtime stories because those were 
like 80% made it within the box, yeah. you know? So those are something, and that's half the fun. I mean, it's daunting, but it's half the fun is going, okay, how do we pull this off and make it sound the best it does, the best it can. And for me, it's like, I don't know. I find that important if you have, it always sucks if you hear something on a record and it's really good production. You're like, oh shit, I can't wait to see this live. And, and then, then you go see don't. it live and it's a letdown. You're like, oh. Or they don't play it. And right, you find they, out because of like that can. same reason, like you just said, like yeah, oh, like we just couldn't figure out how to do it. Which I guess is, I don't know. Maybe you appreciate that more. That decision of like, hey, we're not pulling yeah, this true. off, you know, because you don't want to, like you also said, like you don't want to be disappointed by the performance. right. You don't want to so do like, it a disservice. It's like maybe, yeah, maybe it's okay for that song to just kind of live on the record because that's its own. Yeah, why not? Part of the art itself, you know. For sure, yeah. It's I think it's one of those things too. You go back and forth in your head on, I really want to do it, but do I want it to sound half-ass? Yeah. Well, of course not. You know. But you know, maybe you just find maybe that that song shows something different to you in the in the live sense, and you can figure it out in a different way. But yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely been a few shows I've gone to and hoping this song is going to get played and it's, it'll be a popular song, you know, and then they don't play it. And you kind of was, even without like knowing, knowing, you know, in the back of your head, you're like, I bet they can't really pull that one off. And I know that just from experience where there's a, there's some songs where we play very seldomly because it's like, okay, we got to practice a hundred times. Yeah. This just week. a lot of work. Right. Right on, man. Well, yeah. I appreciate the fuck out of, the the small leaks tunes man thank and you like i said um that doug first show really like blew my mind and i haven't had the opportunity to see see y'all play since so i'm stoked to see you play soon and um i'm just very impressed with the the catalog of music and and the, definitely the stuff that you're playing now or or making now and and just to kind of see it continue to evolve i think is is very impressive over like over 10 years to kind of see people that want to keep creating music together or like figuring out how yeah. to keep, like, does that kind of blow your mind that you're still kind of cranking out ideas and that they're still coming? Sometimes it does. I mean, I, because I've always kind of said to the guys in the band, I imagine they feel the same way where it's like, if we're not progressing in some way or continue to be satisfied the music we're making it's either time for a break or it's time to say hey what what are we doing here yeah and that hasn't happened yet you know it continues to be a blast and i'm always excited to hear what comes out of us and uh, for me i personally think it does progress and i think that's one of the things that's most important to me in being a band is that you know you're moving forward in some way right on dude yeah well thanks for Thanks for hanging out and yeah, dude. you know sharing some of the story. I know the other dudes aren't here, but in, you kind of have to speak for them in some way. But I, I uh, yeah, I just appreciate like the perseverance through all of the the tough shit that you guys have had to deal with. And like I said earlier, I think that's you know that is such a testament to like how special this project is to the four of you. Thanks, man. You know, and and how much time you've put into it, and and just that you want to keep doing it together and and figuring it out. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of people would have broken at those points, like if not the first, the second. You know, man. And, and 
got to deal with like a lot of different emotions, not just from the people that are suffering through that, but you know, also probably dealing with some of your own selfish feelings too of like, Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh man, like we're not going to get to go on tour because of this. Like this is maybe destroying the momentum that we're building right now. You you have those thoughts. That is for sure. And yeah, it's just rad that, you know, hopefully you guys are building that momentum again in, in some form, but if not, it just seems like you guys are making really cool music that you guys obviously appreciate. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, man. And thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, We end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the, uh, the tagline for the show, which is it's a program. So if we can get the, uh, the London, it's a program we can properly uh, sail this out. No pun intended. I I say that a lot. (laughs) It's a program. (laughs) You nailed it. You did it. it. Uh, We're going to play it out with the, if not my favorite song in the catalog, uh, definitely my favorite song off the uh, the Polaroid People EP, which is this uh, this Broken Church Bell song, man. Nice. This, this is uh, this is the jam that really does it for me off this this EP, and I I encourage people to kind of check out everything though. Like if you if you dig what you heard on this episode and you're you're new to the band, you know, take a browse. All that stuff is available on the uh, the iTunes and the Spotify and whatnot. So check it out. Just check it out, and uh, that's it. That's the that's the jam. This is uh, Small League Seeking Ships off of their uh, Polaroid People EP. This is Broken Church Bells, and we will catch you on the flip side, Portland.
It's a program.